Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Writer's Corner live show for this week. On the show, we connect authors to each other and to their readers. Readers are able to find and explore new authors to love. You will meet both seasoned as well as aspiring authors on the show. We invite you today to hear the backstory of our featured author, none other than Bonnie McBird, author of the highly acclaimed book, The Devil's Due. So don't go away. We will be right back. And welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. If you're just joining us, welcome to the show. Welcome to all our viewers on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Periscope, on Twitter, and on YouTube. I'm your host, Brigetti Limbanda. I'm a live video camera confidence coach, and I host and produce live video shows that help brands, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and of course, authors share their stories. I also want to let you know that I am a responsible social media advocate. My amazing co-host is Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She is the award-winning author of the Children's Poolicious book series. She's also working on a movie screenplay at the moment, and we are looking forward to the release of her third book. Mary is a wife and mom to three beautiful inspirations, and she's also a special needs and disabilities advocate. Mary, welcome to the show. It's episode 68. Oh, my word. I'm so excited. We are just rocking and rolling. We're like, we're just kind of booking it all the way out to like March at this point, February, March. So we're just, you know, it's so exciting. All these authors, publishers, writers, and um, even illustrators that we get to meet and hear their story and share it, share their books. It's just so exciting. And um, I am uh, Thornton Klein, who we know and is a co-writer with me. We just signed a contract last week with uh, my daughter because she's going to be doing our graphic novel. She can do all the illustrations for a middle grade reader. So super excited about that. It'll come out sometime next year. And, um, and now I am an ambassador for where I live for special needs and disabilities. So I'm super excited about that and being an advocate for information, you know. That, that is absolutely wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So our author for today is Bonnie, Bonnie McBird, and she was born and raised in San Francisco. And she fell in love with Sherlock Holmes by reading the canon at age 10. So she was a young reader. Mm. And she says her long Hollywood career includes feature film development executive at Universal the original screenplay of the movie Tron. Imagine that. Wow. I know. So excited. <laughs> She's also won three Emmy Awards for documentary writing and producing. Um, she has produced numerous plays and musicals and theater credits as an actor and director. And she lives in Los Angeles and London. And we're going to talk a bit about, about her book today, The Devil's Due. And some of the amazing um, reviews we've had about the book is that it's another worthy tale of Holmes and Watson's adventures, an extraordinary mystery. Someone else describes it as gorgeously crafted and marvelously entertaining. Mm. 
mm. um, and says that she writes with grit and spark and her, her wit and intelligence and passion infuse every action-packed page. Shall we invite Bonnie to the show? Yes, because we're thrilled, aren't we now? <laughs> Those are I know, right? great, great expressive words to describe her writing. How exciting for somebody to, to read what you write and feel that way about what you put on paper is, is just such an honor. I know, it's amazing. Come on, let's invite Bonnie to the show. Do you like your the, you like your intro? <laughs> that was lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, so Welcome to, to the show, Bonnie. You say that you were a, a reader at a young age, but what was it that inspired you to want to become a writer and why Sherlock Holmes? Um, well, because I was a reader, uh, you know, I just fell in love with stories. And uh, I was, my mother would take me to the library every week and I would get the maximum number of books. And I think when you <laughs> read as a young kid, um, you know, you, you become immersed in the world of story. And I also, from a childhood, I, I would make up stories. Particularly, I would love, you know, I'd fall in love with characters. I read all the Oz books. I read the Th uh, Thornton Burgess books. I read, but I also read a lot of kind of 19th century, what they would call boys adventure books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Conan Doyle would, would fall into that category. And at least, so this is way back. I'm not going to get help them. <laughs> back. Um, they were categorized. And so, you know, I just read widely and I got very excited and I love Sherlock Holmes I think because um, even as a child I related to just being kind of an outsider I loved how smart he was and how he would figure out things way ahead of everybody and then the quality of the friendship you know just shines through those pages Holmes and Watson are just possibly the best friendship in literature so a whole bunch of things appealed to me as a kid and and now that's awesome. So were you, would you consider that you're yourself as an introvert as a child or were you very outgoing, but just love to read? Because a lot of times introverts, I think maybe tend to be more avid readers, but then that's not necessarily the truth. So I actually, you know, if you do the Myers-Briggs thing, you know, yeah. I'm actually an extrovert uh, okay. and which is a, which is very difficult to be a writer and an extrovert because writing demands a ton of time alone and quiet but you know like I'm with all the characters and we're all talking so <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert but but yet I was just a massively avid reader as a child so um, but look what I did so you know that that promotion of literacy and that you know ex the, those of us trying to urge young children to start reading and learning, you know, learning to read early or just love books, even if a child can't read. I, I mean, I know as a mother, I started when my little guy could barely even sit up, just showing him the pictures and it would calm him down, but he loves books. Did you, and did you read to him? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and we I, actually were reading a funny Halloween story last night and making it very goofy, but. Oh, no. that's fine. Yeah, I think that's, that's a wonderful bonding experience for parents and yeah. children, but also children learn to read. My mother read to me, you know, from the time I was an infant, really. And, mm -hmm. and apparently, according to her, <laughs> I could read by age three. 
And so, you know, I'm not surprised. Simple, simple thing. Yeah. Uh, because she spent so much time with me and we, we, you know, and, you know, as tiny children, you know, we emulate whatever our parents are doing uh, and it's, it's a vital interest to us. So, so, I mean, that's a key time, I think. And I think it's wonderful that you, that you spend time reading with your child. Yeah. And I've done that with all three. And then what we, in, in the writing for me, writing children stuff, I try to come from the viewpoint of a child, not right. an adult, right. because who wants to read an adult writing a child's book, right? That would be right. boring. And children are so, not stupid. They're not stupid at all. <laughs> they're, right. they're, they're developmentally different than we are, but they're not stupid. And that's the, that's the challenge, I think. It is very challenging. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So but they also like a lot of fun and silly yeah. words and, and goofiness and they learn so much through play. So that's very important. I think it sticks more than somebody hounding something into a child. You know, as you said that, uh, another thing came to me about Sherlock Holmes, and that is that the original books and hopefully mine as well are really funny. <laughs> I mean, there are laugh aloud moments in there. Now they're subtle, but they're they're really quite funny. And I think I think humor goes a long way for all ages to to you know keep the engagement there, especially when you're presenting big ideas or scary ideas. If you can you can also laugh, these things are more palatable, especially for kids. Um, so I think humor is huge. Absolutely. Where do you get where do you draw your inspiration from other than Sherlock Holmes? I mean, for the ideas for your own stories. Mm -hmm. Um, where does your inspiration come from? And is there a specific time of the day you find that you're more inclined to sort of, you know, the words just flow for you or are there certain periods, you know, how do you put it all together? Um, well, I'm going to answer the second question first, which is uh, I'm a morning person. So I always write first thing in the morning and try to get my word count quota. Uh, but sometimes I will get a second wind late at night <laughs> and do do another batch. Um, but in terms of getting inspiration, uh, you know, the shower is always a good place. <laughs> but actually, I get a lot from, the from going to the library. I often will start, you know, with Internet searches and I do get quite a bit there. But I, but I go to the library and sometimes, uh-oh, is that a, am I still on? I just got something yes, yep. to go across my screen. Um, and so I'll go to the library. And um, so, for example, on this last book, The Devil's Do, I wanted a really creative way to kill an opera singer that was not <laughs> immediately apparent to everyone, but Holmes figures it out. And I, I went to the Welcome Library in London, which is a medical library. And I knew I was looking for, I didn't know what it would be, but I was looking for that thing. And in my reading there, I discovered something called the ammonia phone which was a quack medical device of the time. And what it was was a little tube that looks kind of like a recorder and you would breathe into it and inside it were chemicals and they were, they were uh, imitating the chemical composition of Italian air because they thought all the good singers came from Italy. So if it was, it must be the air. <laughs> Ammonia and these other things to imitate the air. And this is totally quack. But they, they wow. smelled like hotcakes. Anyway, so this opera singer had this, and that was the delivery mechanism for the oh. poison. And I thought, that's, nobody's done that. <laughs> right, yeah. And you got to do that. you got to keep doing those things that nobody yeah. else has done. And I want to ask you, like, what you're talking about, what is your word count for the morning? I'm very curious, and I'm sure other authors are. I know we just had an author pipe on from your book, my book, to say hi. And so I'm curious, what is your word count, like your goal? Like, people have steps. You know, like seven, ten thousand steps 10, a day. 000, yeah. <laughs> um, I find fifteen hundred 
is a good goal and I can reliably hit that. And if I can do more, great. Um, if I'm on a tight deadline, you know, I sometimes have to do more. Sometimes I'll have to do it in two sessions. Um, mm. But I mean, word count is one thing because word count goes, I, you know, I said that about my sessions, but word count really only pertains to first drafts, um, you know, because you barrel through this thing and, yeah. and you, get this, you get the draft done. And then that's just the beginning. You know, right. so there's way more to this process. Oh, um, sure. And and so so sometimes uh, the research will come ahead of this. Sometimes it'll it'll come during it as inspiration. Sometimes it'll come after. Um, you know, to to lock in the details, uh, particularly of places. Um, so as an example of that would be um, in my first book, Art in the Blood. Um, uh, Holmes and Watson go to Paris, and there is a, a a kind of run. They run from the Chat Noir, the nightclub, the Chat Noir, to where Toulouse Lautrec lives. And I actually knew where he lived at that exact date. Wow! <laughs> and, and I knew where the Chat Noir was, and I and I walked I walked that path so I could describe. You know, goes up a hill and by a cemetery. You know, so in other words, so some of the research is on the ground, some of the research is in books and online, but but. Uh, so the word, going back to the word count question, so those days there's no word count, you know, I'm doing something else, I'm doing research. So, so it, it, it basically varies and it also depends on my deadline. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I know something, how, go ahead, Brigetti. I, I wanted to ask you, Bonnie, how is The Devil's Due different from the other two books? Is there something special about The Devil's Due um, that's that's different. Um, there are some similarities and some differences. Um, the The first book takes place in Paris, London, and north in the north of England in Lancashire. Second book takes place in London, uh, south of France, Montpellier and Nice, and then it goes up to Scotland and the Highlands, where the main action takes place. The third book is different in that I just decided to keep them all the time in London. Uh, and um, and I just thought I would mine London for the most interesting, weird things I could find uh, that maybe we haven't seen so much before. Uh, and London is full of that stuff. And my living there, um, you know, is is very inspiring to me. I live actually right off Baker Street. <laughs> I can oh, see the Baker Street wow. food from my window. And wow. um, anyway, so I, I just began to really look around me and say, what is weird and interesting here that we haven't seen? So that's probably the most different thing. I also wrote the books in in uh, sub in sequential years. So the first one, Art in the Blood, is in 1888. And the second one is in 1889. The third one is in 1890. But And the boys are young. They're in their 30s, Holmes and Watson. So I, I envision them as as quite handsome characters, <laughs> uh, and and very you know vibrant, um, and you know Watson has the thing for the ladies, so mm -hmm. he's, he's always amusing. But so that's the difference I think. But you don't have to read them uh, in order, even though they're chronologically in order. You don't have to read them in order, and uh, so they anyway they stand alone. Now your books are also translated into 17 languages worldwide. That is phenomenal. How did that happen? 
Well, that's entirely the publisher's doing. I, I, I was like, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 they sell it to different markets and, you know, Sherlock Holmes is, is uh, known everywhere in every corner right. of the world. I mean, even in the most remote villages, people can see the, the Deerstalker and the magnifying glass and they know it's Sherlock Holmes. It's just crazy <laughs> how that character has penetrated the, the world consciousness and yeah. people, and he's loved, universally loved. I think he's, arguably the most famous uh, fictional character of all time. That's fun. And so I'm gonna ask you a question that I know Brigetti wants to know. So it is anybody or anything in your book come from your real life? Do you have characters in your own life hidden that only they know about? Hmm. Well, I, I do have um, uh, each year uh, after Art in the Blood, uh, the, there's a group called the Baker Street Irregulars, and that is an invitation-only group of, of uh, Sherlockians who, who are like intense Sherlockians. <laughs> and I am a member, and they have a um, an auction raising funds, and I auctioned off name naming rights to. So the last two books had characters that were named somebody who, <laughs> who but they weren't really based on these people. So I'm not sure that counts. Um, but, but uh, I think when, you know, anybody who writes fiction, you must find this when you're writing your children's books, that you always draw on people, you know, uh, and you can't help but put yourself in it because you can't help but doing that as an author, you, you have, you know, that's what you're drawing on. You are you. So, and, um, but I am trying uh, to stay really close and and uh, accurate to the style of Conan Doyle. So I hope not to be altering the characters of Holmes and Watson at all. The stories are told through Watson. You're seeing through his eyes, his voice, uh, and and he's a wonderfully decent lovely man to inhabit as as a thinker and as a viewer of the action. Um, he's a lot of fun actually. So. But don't you find as a writer, you, you you are in your books. You can't get help it. No, you can't. There, there's no way. And um, I, I and I'm I know this happens for you, and it probably happens for author other authors and writers. Day to day experience, you know, that's a book. Right. That's a section. That's a story. And that happens all the time. Or I, I really want to use this. Mm -hmm. And and I think we have things that happen in our own lives. Um, that could be very powerful in a story. And sometimes we overlook that because it is so near and dear to our heart. Yeah. But if we, but, but I think those are good to put in stories, even if you're using other characters and change the names. Yes. I, I find I use thematic content that way too. Mm -hmm. I mean, things that are important to me, I want to put in the books. Um, and you can't, you know, when you talk about genre fiction, you know, mysteries or horror or whatever, or, or comedy or whatever, genre fiction as opposed to literary fiction, you know, people don't really think of them in terms of great thematic content. They just think, oh, is this a good case? Is this a good adventure? Um, but I feel like once you expand Sherlock Holmes into novel length, you need to deliver a little more meat thematically. Um, and yet you don't want to weigh down the the rollicking adventure aspect of it and the and all the brilliant deductions. There's all this stuff you have to deliver. But I think thematically, and that's where it gets more personal. So my first book, Art in the Blood, um, was about sort of the peril, the under underlying texture of that uh, was about the perils and the gifts of the artistic temperament. Because mm -hmm. artists can see things that other people can't see. They're acutely sensitive. Uh, and that allows them to do their work. And Holmes is definitely an artist. And that's 
made very clear in the original stories by Conan Doyle. He's, he's an artist at what he does. He's, you know, we hear all about the scientific method. We hear that all the time about him, but also an artist. I'm married to a scientist and I think, <laughs> is, and he's also an artist and a musician, his avocations. And he also talks about science in a way that's very artistic. So the looking at that in terms of the perils and the, and the gifts, you know, Holmes is extremely gifted. Uh, he's a genius, but he is also vulnerable, which is also makes a wonderful, uh, you know, complex character. He has the drug problem. He has uh, issues. He gets depressed. I, I think he's described in the original uh, stories as what we would call bipolar or manic depressive. Um, and uh, so, I mean, he, he has his challenges. And that it's interesting because that particular um, uh, I don't know, condition, I wouldn't call it an illness exactly, but that particular uh, mentality, whatever, is very connected uh, statistically to art artistry. Uh, you know, there's been some wonderful books on this. So, um, so you know, I think that's kind of, that subtext is there because that's important and interesting to me. I come from a family of artists. I'm married to an artist scientist uh, and I'm an artist also, I, I paint. So I, you know, that, that, that grabbed me as a as a uh, as a theme, um, and I, I'm sure I think especially for children's books, I notice uh, people you know have something to say with what they're doing, um, and they mm -hmm. want to entertain, but they want to say something with it at the same time. Absolutely, yeah. and I want to ask you about you know with your husband, he's got a perfect balance there, art and science. So he's using both sides of his brain, and there is art actually. You know, art is everywhere, and so. Um, he sounds like a very interesting person. And because he's a scientist, he probably can give you ideas for some wacky science stuff in your books. Well, I well, uh, the current book I'm working on now, which is book four in the series, is called The Three Locks. And um, part of it takes place in Cambridge University. And so wow. he's, I'm talking to him about some of the interesting mathematical and other advances that happened there at that time. So, the, so yes, he does. Uh, although, um, He's also, I, I don't involve him until the end. He's a, he's a very tough critic. Uh, oh. and I, I, that's another thing I do. I, 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 um, I stage my critical help with from people. So I, I have a writer's group that meets weekly and we're all professional, we've all been published and we you know, crit the ongoing you know, first draft pages. And then I have a couple of other professional editors who at later stages I have go through it and give me tough love. And Alan, my husband, is the last person to read it. <laughs> I give it to the publisher. He's very tough, but I want it to be like it. as pristine and perfect as I can get it. Yeah, and uh, and he's, a, he's a good good reader for that. That is awesome. And, you know, you really have to have that feedback it's like yeah, in it's yes. like in anything that we yeah. do because mm -hmm. we we can't think of everything. No, so no, 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 we yeah. can't. And and we'll, there'll be typos. Even it, there's still typos in the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's it, maddening. It is at a certain point you can't see them in your own work. You, you can't miss that you put he he. You know you can't miss. I mean you can't see it anymore. Uh, so so uh, you know it, there's you, there's no perfection in art. So you just have to live with that <laughs> what is what is your favorite word bonnie that you kind of you know if you if you had to read through your work what is the favorite word that you often use and you think 
you know, somebody says to you, Bonnie, you got to stop using that word. You know, do you have something <laughs> like that? <laughs> I think I sometimes though he continued to something, and one of my editors says, "Stop continuing to do something, just do it." (laughs) That was a a recent note I got. Um, I don't know. I I, I hope not to um, not to use any subtleties or you know uh, you know I I don't know. I mean, I I try to I try to avoid uh, avoid cliches. You know, I'm emulating another person's style. That's another thing. Um, and so one of the things I do is while I'm writing is I, as I start the morning by, I read a little Conan Doyle. I don't read any other Sherlockian pastiche cause I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want a, um, diluted form of, of his writing to come to, I just want to read the, the originals. So, and, um, Conan Doyle, you know, in the first book, the first time I sat down to do this, I. I consciously thought, what am I? Tr- what about him is a, is genius? Because he is a genius. I think he's a vastly underrated writer. I think he's one of the greats. And what about his work? It makes it hubris, of course, to 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 imitate him. But on the other hand, if you look at all artists, um, that's how artists get good is by emulating the masters. Uh, and and all of the masters have done that. Uh, anyway, so I'm not putting myself in that category, but nevertheless, I tried to isolate what is it about Conan Doyle that is so incredibly, uh, you know, genius, and why are we loving his character 130 years later? Um, so there's a lot of things that he does that are kind of subtle, and um, that I tried to say, how can I how can I learn to do this? He's a master storyteller, and he has something that in screenwriting is called narrative drive. Uh, it's that thing that makes you want to turn the page. And there's this m- sort of muscle, this energy underneath his storytelling that is missing, I think, from a lot of uh, present day versions of this stuff. And it's hard to write, it's hard to infuse narrative drive. I and mean, there are some tricks, but it, it, that's kind of one of the things I really tried to emulate and, and have felt challenged and, and, and enjoy trying to do. Um, he's also got great character writing. He loved Dickens. Uh, and of course, Dickens is the master of crazy, colorful, interesting, even the tiny characters are interesting. Uh, and so uh, I try to make sure that all the clients, but also all the subsidiary characters that walk across the stage um, are interesting and, and of the time and and so forth. So that, and then of course the interplay between Holmes and Watson, the humor, the subtle humor uh, is important to get right. Um, but also Conan Doyle has, through the voice of Watson, created a man of such incredible honor and decency that you feel comfortable and happy being in his shoes as the reader or as the writer, uh, and it's such a it, it's such a tonic for today's messy, messy world. And because uh, uh, Holmes and Watson know what's right, and they are able in the course of the story to to set out what's right. Now my my screen just changed, and I now I can only see me, and I can't That's see okay. you. I'm not yeah. sure what we happened. can we can see you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're our center stage. <laughs> okay. But I, I no longer, suddenly I can no longer see the two of you. I don't know what, what happened there. Yeah. She, she just changed the screen so that, you know, you can oh, see no, it no, better. See. So no. um, now a question about movies. Do you, is there any talk about any of the books being turned into a major motion picture or TV or anything? Um, there's always talk. Okay. <laughs> 
you know, in fact, I had a meeting yesterday about this. So, okay. uh, you know, I mean, there's, I was in the film business for 30 years and um, talk is cheap. That's all I can say. Right. <laughs> but I, they're perfectly structured to be movies. And I was a movie writer and I was a story editor at a studio. So um, when I when I decided to try a long form Holmes, um, you know, the, the novel structure is more like a movie structure. Uh, whereas Conan Doyle was writing short stories and novellas and those have kind of like a like a Japanese bridge kind of structure. It's like, you know, beginning and you know, the, the climax and the end. Whereas um, a long form structure is more like a three act structure. And it's like a like an, a, um, a bridge with pylons. It, it needs it needs more support. And the, that support comes from, you know, dramatic moments and moments of action and adventure. Um, so, so I structure these more like movies. And so I think they're, you know, they're quite suitable. <laughs> they're quite I suitable. cannot believe, but we're out of time already. Mm -hmm. Bonnie, how can people, where on, can people connect with you on social media? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I have a website, www.macbird, my last name, .com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at MacBird. Um, and I also have a Facebook page for the series, for the uh, Sherlock Holmes Adventure series by Bonnie MacBird. That's on Facebook. And I'd be delighted uh, to hear from anyone. Yes, we've had a lot of people piping in this morning, and um, I'm sure they would love, They will, maybe they'll be some of your new fans. Oh, lovely. Well, I'd be delighted to meet them. Yes. That'd be awesome. I know somebody on Twitch was dying to ask a question, and I was trying okay. to signal to them that they could do that. So please reach out to Bonnie McBird on um, on either Facebook, on Twitter, yes. um, and or on her website, macbird.com. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're so Thank excited so to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us live today. This was awesome. Bonnie, thank you for being such a great guest. And we really enjoyed hearing a bit more about you. Thank you. Yes. And if you wait, um, we'll, we'll go to commercial. And then we can, you know, if you want to hang out for a second afterwards, that'd be great. Thanks, everyone. And goodbye from now. Bye-bye.